everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Aces Up the Sleeve. I'm Patty, co-hosting with the co-managing partner of Pocket Aces Racing, or PAR for the quick reference, Jared Shoemaker. And today we are joined by Bloodstock agent June Park on another very interesting interview episode that I think everyone is going to really enjoy. Uh, so just to start out, gentlemen, how are we doing today? Fantastic. June, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Great. Thank you so much for taking a little time out of your Sunday to join us. This will be released on Wednesday. We're recording on a Sunday. We appreciate you joining us today. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to be here. Yeah, appreciate well, it. Thank you, thank you. Well, in this podcast, we're going to shed light on all things Pocket Aces. We're going to talk about the finer points of syndicate ownership. We're going to discuss what you all, the partners and the listeners, have asked us to talk about. And hopefully, by the time we get to the end, you are enlightened, inspired, you're entertained on the topics, and our partners continue to feel like we are giving them good values of their tenure as a member of Team Pocket Aces Racing. So before we get going on our interview with June today, we do have a few availability updates. Um, if you guys have been getting the emails and kind of paying attention to our social, we've been talking a lot about our newest additions, which is started from the bottom. And 21, it's Chemistry Baby. And um, Jared, if you want to just give us some, some quick updates on those. And then I know we have some two-year-olds who are also going to be returning to the track soon as well. Um, well, you know, uh, those two are doing great, looking for races for a uh, starter from the bottom. You know, I tell you what, folks, for the for the dollar amount that we're talking on those uh, on him, come on, he's going to be running here in the next uh, the next little bit. You're missing out, and uh, it's chemistry, baby, man. I'm telling you, she just uh, she looks fantastic. It looks better every week, and we are nearly sold out on Banshee Moon and Oathbreaker. I don't know how they've still been sitting around this long. Uh, we bought them last uh, September as uh, yearlings. Um, Oathbreaker, he's been to the track, uh, came back with some, uh, we brought him back with some sore shins, uh, but they're all cooled out. He's started up again. And then uh, Banshee Moon, I mean, she's just, she gets better every time she steps foot on the track. She's doing great. I expect she'll be headed to Susan here within the next uh, the next few weeks. She started speed work now. And um, she looks you know, great we got, too. We got 10%, 10% left in her and 15% left in Oathbreaker. Um, give me a shout hit us up um i think both really good opportunities so well we'll go ahead we'll roll into our our interview so in this week's episode we're going to be sitting down with the bloodstock agent and resource owner june park as i mentioned above who not only has had some incredible successes in the last few years but he's also helped us out on a number of occasions kind of when mark cannot cannot tend to sail himself or there's just too many of those horses to see and we we owe a big a big thank you to, to june he works hard so uh, June, if you want to start for our listeners and maybe some of our newer partners who don't quite know you or don't recognize the name, if you want to start with um, what brought you to the U.S. And, and how you got into racing, we can go from there. Yeah, um, I'm originally from Korea. I grew up there. When I finished school, you know, I really liked when I grew up, you know, the, the horse racing is not so big in Korea, but nowadays it's quite big. But you know, I like to get an opportunity in both the horse racing. And, you know, I pick out the Kentucky is the right place. So I moved to Kentucky, it was 1998. So I started at the farm and I really enjoyed it at the beginning. Um, basically the horse racing brought to the United States. So you had not worked in, in racing in Korea at all? It's just, um, you decided Correct. that's what you wanted to do and you came over? Wow. Yeah, and then, you know, at the college, um, you know, I, I enjoyed uh, horse racing so much. 
is um, I like to involve in there's not much opportunity in Korea. So I decided to come over, you know, I jump into the bigger pond. Right. Tour. Okay. <laughs> so um, you come you come here to the U.S. in 98. And is that when you immediately met Mark or had you been here for a little bit before you and Mark uh, got to know each other? How, how did that, uh, how did, how did y'all's relationship begin and, and develop? Yeah, I spent, um, I think a one and a half a year working at the breeding farm here. Actually there was three chimneys and then working okay. at the sale. And then um, someone introduced me to Dr. Lambert, you know, his office looking for help. And I become, and then I become the, the Mark's assistant. You know, Mark's already worked there. So mm -hmm. um, that's how I met Mark. So when you were at Three Chimneys, you worked, uh, you worked sales, were you growing? What, what were you, what did you do at Three Chimneys? Yeah, that's what I did. Um, I, I, they have a, a program uh, for the young people, like our plenties. So it's an international program and it sponsored uh, the working visa and, I started working at a, a breeding uh, broodmare division, and then, like summertime, is so busy prepping yearlings, and then I moved to the yearling division, um, and then you know in September I work at the Kinland Sale. It's sort of the, the the program set up for the young people, the beginner. Um, okay. So I learned uh, the basic management of uh, thoroughbred breeding farm. So now, did you know anyone at all when you came here? Uh, not really. Probably, I didn't speak good English either. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I speak more Spanish <laughs> working at the farm. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, tell us. I mean, how that must have been just really intimidating. I mean, you're okay. I want to be. In, I want to work in the thoroughbred industry. I don't really know anything about horses other than I like racing. I want to go to Kentucky. I don't know anybody in Kentucky. Uh, I mean, wow, yeah. man, that is that is that's that's big balls, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a, you know, I I, I said earlier, you know, it's it's at the time, you know, diving in the cold water, but you know, at the time, I don't, I didn't feel that way because I I guess I have a lot of passion for the horse racing. And I just want to work with the horses. I just want to be with them. And gotcha. when I get, when I'm working at the farm, and then when I get here, actually, I realized um, there's so many opportunities, so many things I need to know. So after that, you know, even if I work for the Dr. Lambert as a bloodstock agency, you know, he run, and then, I work at um, a stallion, a breeding shed, the Shadowell, one season. Um, I went to the Europe, a toddler, toddler sale, working at the toddler sale in England and Deauville sale in France. You know, there's so many things I realized I need to learn. And actually that really helped me uh, to be, you know, what I'm doing here today. So I, I know in I can, probably most of our most of our listeners probably don't know, but you you've been a bloodstock agent and, and been uh, the primary buyer, I guess, for the Korean Racing Authority. Is that the correct term, Korean Racing Authority? Is that right? 
um, the KRA, but they yeah. become my client seven years ago when they start uh, buying uh, racehorses here in the United States. Basically, I'm managing their stable in U.S. But before that, you know, I pick up some Korean owners and trainers, and they like to have uh, American bred horses. So I bought some horses, sent over, and then some Korean breeders, they like to buy the broodmares. Um, so I had them. After helping the KRA, I was more involved in racing, uh, like what Marx is doing, like a racing mm -hmm. manager. So um, there was another learning process. And then, you know, when we had a next goal, I mean, there was an incredible journey. You know, probably as a horse owners, everybody want to have that kind of horse. I mean, you know, at the beginning, we didn't expect we we're going to have that kind of horse uh, that soon, but we are very lucky and so many people work hard and we end up with a big success. So, you, you, so mentioning Next Go, I mean, think about when you, you first saw Next Go uh, at the sale. I mean, he didn't, he wasn't a huge sale price, right? Well, it was the second crop for the sire, the painter. Right. Mm -hmm. So, well, it hasn't, you know, the painter itself, it hasn't proved yet because mm -hmm. there's no runner. But we pay 87000 and there was a highest price for the sire. So, right. um, he's quite nice looking horse at the sale. And just, uh, was that one of those where you, you saw him and you thought, okay, he's not, you know, maybe maybe he's not there on paper, but wow, he's just physical is just too good to pass up. Is that kind of the thought process? Yeah, on him? yeah. And then also, um, I mean, he he's the KRA. Um, they have a, their own uh, genetic test, so that brought it in um, more attention to him. And the KRA already have the genetic score on him and I have to inspect his physical, but you know, he's not big, he's not small. I mean, I can record his walk was um, exceptional. You know, that's the um, biggest factors I, I fall in love with at the sale. I know Mark and I talk, when we're talking to our potential, to our partners, to potential partners, we write up things about horses. We all the time talk about a horse's walk. Man, that thing has just a giant walk. It's just a monster walk. You, you just mentioned next goes walk. Are are you able to put into words a big walk? What what does that mean to to a person well, that's not that's not looking at a lot of horses? And you know, can you put that in words? It's a very good point. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, he has nice walk, and you can say, what is what is definition of nice walk? Everybody has different preference. Like I think, uh, you know, walking can show us their athleticism. athleticism. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, sometimes you have to feel them. You know, it's hard to describe. Right. But, you know, I would say this is nice walk. You know, somebody say just average walk. You know, it's hard to determine definition of the nice walk that's true i like to see their um how they use their hind leg 
you know, especially when they walk away, very strong engagement with the hind leg, good over the hop, because um, that's quite important to me. And, you know, as you know, you know, the horse has a power behind. So, mm-hmm. and then front leg is important as well, but I'm not trying to too much criticize their confirmation because as long as they have a good power behind the front leg, it just, just go with the flow, you know, not, not get on the way. That's good right. enough. Not okay. getting in the way. I, you know, that's how I look at it. Okay. All right. So um, you touched on next go a little bit and kind of just talk to us about that. I mean, my goodness, horse of the year. I mean, he won everything coming and going. Uh, I mean, just just give us a little bit about that experience overall. And then some of the things that just stand out to you and that just, you know, you'll never forget. He was very special because he was not very good boy at the beginning. <laughs> and I remember, you know, when we broke him, and try to prep him for the two-year sale. Um, he was he was not good boy at all. But once once he put him in his business at the track, and we know he has potential. But you know we don't know how he gonna be how good he going to be. You know when you look at uh, his two years old um, grade one race. It was a long, long shot. I don't even remember what was odd. It was a long shot. And even his trainer was a shock. You know, Ben Corbro was shocked. But I think he has a potential to do that at the beginning, but just don't know how he handled um, the racing because he's, he's very, very tough horse. You know, there was also was a learning process because you know his three years of campaign was not as good ever mm-hmm. and i think uh, we should have a more patient with him and just we rush to rush him going into the kentucky derby right. so i think that that's the mistake we made and then as a four years old campaign you know we changed the trainer we just need to um, refresh the old um, environment with, around him. And, you know, the Blackhawks figure out what's the best way to handle him at the track right away. And, and then, you know, he really move him up, consistent grade one winners. Mm-hmm. And in the last weekend, I mean, the yesterday was a witness handicap at Saratoga. If someone asked me what is the uh, most impressive race Mexico won, there was Whitney handicap, Saratoga. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't, I, I couldn't remember. I, I, I'm not going to forget that moment. I mean, it was, was a very tough feel. Wasn't, and I, I was not sure he's going to go mile and quarter, but, you know, he won so easily. Just did it just yeah just easy i mean just like it was nice playing with yeah and maxfield you know he's good horse yeah absolutely yeah he he beat him easily so i think that 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 was that was 
a very special moment for me. That's so, so that that's a huge, huge moment. How about your your big win in Dubai with Sibelius? Yeah, okay, oh, we got we got we got a dog a, a dog emergency. June's gonna take his dog. He had to mute us. His dog started barking. So, <laughs> so you know, hey, I think uh, Patty and I can both relate to that. I had to, I had to text my wife earlier to come down and pick up uh, one of our dogs. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's like. Arthur always finds a way. He's, I mean, Arthur is my, we, we call him the moose because he's quite Remy, large. Remy, Remy, Remy. And um, he is, Arthur will find a way. He will scream from up downstairs to upstairs. You'll probably hear him randomly one day in the, the podcast because it was in a place I can't cut out. So <laughs> I'm Sorry. sure it'll happen. Oh, hey, it's all right. I understand. So, yeah, so. Think, think about, you know, as great a moment as that the Whitney was with Nick's go, um, turn to Sibelius winning in Dubai. How did those <laughs> two, tell us, first of all, tell us a little bit about Sibelius, because some people here in the States may not, you know, we, we I know it because we follow, you know, we follow what you do, uh, but there may be others that are listening that don't know. So tell us a little bit about Sibelius and then, and then the, the big day in Dubai. Yeah, sure. Um as a plastic agent, you know, I'm not the owner, you know, I'm not the horse owner. And usually, you know, I, I like to do um, buying short yearlings or winlings and then resell as a yearling. So my partner and I, we bought him in the Keeneland January sale as a short yearling. And then we plan to sell him Keeneland September sale. So, I mean, we really like him at the sale and we thought we're not gonna afford to buy him and the teller maid was consigner and they rna him for sixty-five thousand. i think it was 65 and then i negotiate the consigner and we bought him fifty-five thousand. so that was good and and then we put him in the Kin and September sale, we tried to sell him. Good amount of people, horse people like him, you know, because not this time, his sire was, um, he was one of his first crop horse. But he has a little problem, issues on the on vet report. So we ended up not to sell him. Uh, couldn't sell him actually, we, we sent him to the ring um, mm -hmm. We reserved him seventy-five thousand, and nobody bid him. So we bought him back, and then we got second opinion with the other vets. Everybody told us, you know, that issue never gonna pass, never gonna improve. Always will be there. I mean, if he go to the two-year sale, will be the same story. Mm -hmm. So right. we didn't have a choice. We have to go race. Okay, we go to the race, and maybe a couple start. He shows some um, ability, and hopefully somebody try to buy him, and then we sell at the time. So that's that was our you know alternative plan. We couldn't sell him at the yearling sale. So we it it took for a while get into the track because he got the sheen, and so. I think uh, he went to the track in January as a three years old. And 
Then he had a good start at El, um, Laurel. He finished second in the first start. And then my phone stopped ringing. And then, you know, we, we got the good offer. So that's what we wanted. And you know, my partner received the contract and ready to sign. And she called me once again, June, you, we're going to sell him, right? I'm going to sign this contract. The day before I received the phone call from my partners, my wife was crying because <laughs> why are we selling this horse? You know? So I told my partner, hey, you know, maybe we can erase him more, more. And okay, you know, that's no problem. That's our decision. Then we turned down. So he came to the Keeneland and he broke the maiden in April. So that was that was great. After that, he went down, down, down. He couldn't win any race. Right. <laughs> so my wife started crying. <laughs> Why didn't we sell? <laughs> oh, we should have sell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so we gave him time off in September. I think it was a three weeks. And then we brought him back in October and he started training at the Aqueduct. And, you know, he, he was different horse. He getting better every day. And then he won another race in January as a four years old. Mm -hmm. After that, you know, he really, you know, he want to be good horse. And, you know, we had a great fun at Saratoga. And then we had a great three win. Mr. Prospect stakes at the Goldstream the end of last year. And running, running into Dubai, um, Golden Chain, the spring race, we planned for that a long time ago, actually. You know, when, when he won the Saratoga, and we thought of we, we discussed the race, you know, how we can get there. And that time, actually, you know, we thought about Saudi uh, spring race as well, you know, in okay. February. So, and then in January, our trainer, Jerry O'Dwyer, he want to go Tampa in February. And then we go to Dubai. So the timing was perfect. And he it was a small stakes race at Tampa in February. Um, but he runs huge number that time very impressive so a lot of people come up um you know it's a very similar racetrack you know surface is very similar mm -hmm. with the maiden at dubai and he will do well um so we feel more comfortable going into the dubai honestly we didn't expect he's going to win the race right. and Three days before, when we saw the position, you know, he drawed one hole. And, you know, nobody in our team are happy with that. <laughs> but except the one, our jockey, Ryan Moore, he said, that's good. He said, that's good. He must see, you know, he, he understand the track well. So sure. that's good. No problem. So going into the race, you know, Actually, you know, our, you know, my emotion, it was very emotional going into the race, regardless of how we're going to finish. Because it's a big, big 
people. I mean, big racetrack and, you know, a lot of people watching him. So during the race and he broke okay, but when he make the first turn, um, now the horse is caught him in the front. So we thought, we all thought it's over. The race is already over. He never want to come from behind. So we thought it's over, but you know, he didn't give up and you know, keep coming, coming, coming inside. So, I mean, he won by the nose. And yeah. I mean, you know, that's a, it's an incredible moment. I remember watching it on. I was watching it live, and I and and saw saw your reaction immediately after the race, and it was fantastic. Um, it just such a such a great great moment, and uh, uh, yeah, well done. I, I have to say, um, uh, you know, you, you and Mark and and we we talked about getting in on uh, Sibelius with you, and um, it didn't work out, but and uh, you know. It's okay. It's all right. We'll make it happen another time. Uh, something else. But the, that I, 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 I was, yeah. I was, I was absolutely just thrilled for, uh, thrilled for you. I mean, yeah. Uh, for, you. for folks that don't know June, I mean, he is one of he is one of the best people I think in this game. I, I, I think he is uh, just um, tremendous individual and an exceptional horseman, and uh, could not be happier uh, for for him when that happened. So. Um, Okay. You know, thinking about to when you came in uh, to the states, early I guess late nineties, and looking back over the last twenty five years or so, talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the ways that the uh, racing in North America has changed, and uh, whether change for the good, change for the bad, um, and then on top of that, and this is something I ask all of our guests: uh, if you're king for a day in racing. What's one big change you make? You just get to make one, because uh, otherwise we can talk about it forever. But <laughs> king for a day, one change. Well, you know, I'm not very politician. You know, I'm a political guy. And, <laughs> you know, nowadays there's a lot of a controversial issues at the horse racing. You know, I went to the Del Mar last uh, couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I saw the people showing the, the signs the horse people, what the horse people don't want to see. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, I think it's a um, part of the game. Um, I think we like to be, get better in the future. And, you know, we, we can keep everybody happy. And I know um, integrity and integrity and safety and anti-doping or, you know, um, medication control. There's a lot of things we can talk about it, and then you know, um, you know how we can improve this horse racing in the United States, but you know North America. But you know, I think it just bottom line is um, we're just making more enjoyable event for the people at the racetrack. Yeah. I think uh, um, that's the most important. And I just had a trip back from Japan. Um, I went out to the race at Tokyo, the middle of city, a racetrack in the middle of city. And their first race is um, two o'clock and then go up to 10 o'clock. And I mean, the atmosphere 
the racetrack is fantastic because the young people come out just drinking beer and having party and you know watching racing and laughing and it's so much healthy environment the race so i think uh, we like to see you know at the racetrack here too it's just more enjoyable event and if i'm the king you know i like to buy the fillies running on the turf so <laughs> tough races uh, I, I, I can i can get behind that I mean, you, 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 you already know so what I mean, right? Right, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's great. So, um, I, I think the tough racing is more fun, and a little bit um, underestimate here, and also probably there is better chance to get the better price um, at the sale too. And, absolutely. And then Ophelia's, they, in in my experience, in Ophelia, they can be more honest. And they also, you know, they hold the value at the end. So it's not only the horse race, not only the racing. So um, that's what I like to do. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, June, it is almost September. I assume uh, you will be uh, hitting the sales grounds of Keeneland. Yeah. Um, I like to buy the uh, few horses for myself uh, with my yeah. partner. And I mean, Mark, I haven't discussed with Mark detail yet, but you know, pocket races, mm -hmm. pocket races. Well, hey, you know, looking for. I, I I think I can speak for Mark here. If you find something and you guys need a, another partner, or you find something that your other partner's not interested in that you like and you're wanting to partner up, we would love to do yeah. uh, anything like that with you. So. Um, um, you know, you, you've picked out several horses for us in the past, and I don't think you've gone wrong, uh, done wrong for us yet. So, uh, we'd love to, we'd love to do something like that. It's, um, yeah, yeah, nothing I would make us happy. Yeah, I would so, keep in mind. Yeah, I, I, I expect that uh, Mark will be touching base with to you about uh, about looking at looking at some horses for us as you normally do. So, okay, um, I'm looking right. forward. Yeah, very good. Well, I am. Um, so I think that about wraps up our our list of things we were going to talk about. Anything you would like to add while we're here? Um, I, it's kind of a first time to <laughs> doing this, and you know, I was very ordinary guy, and you know, I, I mean, I have the when Jared you asked me, you know, if I'm interested in doing the podcast, and you know, I told Mark as well, and you know, I, I would be surprised if anybody want to. Uh, the listen to what I'm doing here. <laughs> you know, I, I was shocked that people listen to us every week and it still blows me away <laughs> that people listen to us every week. And uh, I think it's fantastic. And uh, I, I think you've been a fantastic guest and been very interesting to listen to. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think you're going to, you'll be amazed at the positive feedback you're going to get on this. You did a wonderful yeah, job. Yeah. Well, I just want to one more. I like to add one more thing about the values, um, and it just I want to say the folks who whoever going to listen this, and you know, if something happened, it, it's always um, it happened for the reason, because we we couldn't sell the values, but that was the best things. It happened to us, 
That's right. Some of the best deals are the ones that don't get made. That fall That's through. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it just shows that uh, it, was, it was meant to be and uh, could not have happened uh, again. It could not have happened to a better person. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time and for spending uh, your Sunday afternoon with us. And um, I, I'm, I'm going to have to get your wife on here sometime to talk to her about all the crying about selling and not selling and selling and not selling and just kind of get get her side of the story uh so <laughs> no, that, I, I, I swear you know she, she keep crying keep crying <laughs> oh that's fantastic story that is so good well thanks again uh for your time and uh patty take us on out of here absolutely and to echo once again thank you so much to for to, you know to you june for coming on and and yeah spending a little time with us we really appreciate it It was an awesome interview and you know our listener count is slowly rising and we appreciate how busy you all have been you've been listening to us we appreciate we love the support so make sure that you are subscribed to our spotify there is an option to leave some commentary over there so leave us some some suggestions tell, tell so, june how much you love it. yes please go tell him because he thinks no one will listen. So let's prove him wrong. And then on our Apple podcast pages, make sure that you are subscribed over there. We have some open source um, groups that recently added our podcast on there. You can go over to our cast offs page to see those. They're listed on there as well. And then if you would like to subscribe to our YouTube channel, make sure you're over there. Make sure you've clicked that bell so that you get the notification when our new features and new projects start going live in the coming weeks. And with that, as always, have a happy Wednesday, have a good Wednesday, make good choices, and the podcast is out. <laughs>